Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we are going to continue our conversation down the investment 101, 201 levels. And today we're going to be talking about active versus passive investing. Yeah, we look at this as uh, investing 202. That's kind of like the next step step on that 200 level. And this is this is like one of the big debates in the industry right now. Yeah. And it's it's important for you to understand, and this is kind of what Alex and I always talk about investing philosophy, right? And so you've got this active versus this passive, and there is a hybrid in between as well. But for simplistic sake, we're going to really kind of explain what active versus passive is and, and how that really affects well, how those portfolios react from a fee standpoint and how and what's the churn inside of those those accounts which we'll explain churn here in a minute. So why don't we why don't we start out by t- defining active versus passive? Sure. Active management is you're hiring a portfolio manager to go out and place trades for you. They are maybe on a daily basis, maybe on a weekly basis, maybe on a monthly basis buying and selling stocks and changing the mix of the portfolio to attempt to beat the market, outpace the market, or or do something different than what the market does. Typically, they wind up having less uh, less securities than whatever the, the market is. At a minimum, they have a different mix of assets than what the, the, the index or the market has. Yeah. I mean, they are, to Alex's point, in, in its most simplest form, active active managers are trying to beat the market. You're hiring an investment manager to make investment decisions for you. Right. So this is, you know, we're, we're getting into our philosophy a little bit here, but there's been no consistent person that has actively beaten the market every year. This is always my joke, right? If, if there was, there'd be a statue of that person on Wall Street and not the bull. The closest that we have to this is, say, somebody like uh, Warren Buffett, and the way in which Warren invests is by taking a big enough ownership that he can then actually go in and affect the company. You, me, I would wager 99.99% of our listeners, we don't have the financial ability to invest the way that Warren Buffett does. There's no way that we can get a controlling interest in a company without having a hundred percent of that company being like a hundred percent of our wealth being in that one particular company. And even then it's usually a, like a very, very, very small company. Yeah. When he gets, there's a sense of control that he gets with that. And for the most part, we don't have that control. Like we, we I can't call up Apple and say, Hey, you're doing things wrong. You can, they're not going to listen. Well, I could. You're right. The customer service person may not like me. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we get to passive, right? And I think a lot of people. This is those are the people. I think a lot of when they hear passive, they think of index investing, right? Where right. you pick an index, like for instance, the S and P 500, right? That's the 500 largest U.S. companies. If that if that index measures the performance of those companies, 
So you're not picking one particular company. You're not trying to beat the market. You're just trying to do, you're just trying to get the return that those 500 companies are providing. And, and there, there are, there's a lot of attractive components and features to passive or index investing. You get usually broader diversification. You get lower cost. You get to eliminate a lot of the emotional decisions around like when to buy and sell and things of that nature, because that is being managed oftentimes by a more mechanical process than uh, an individual or a human. There are some negatives that come along with this as well. Virtually all of the indexes that are out there are based on market capitalization. And like this is a 202 level class. So using the term market capitalization, that most of you may not know what that means. Market capitalization is the size of the company, the overall value of that company. And when we're talking about publicly traded companies, small is a company that is worth two billion and less. Mid-sized companies are like two to eight. Large companies are above eight. Um, and sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's 10. Um, I've seen like numbers both ways, but it, like we're not talking about Joe's down the street um, when we're talking about small companies. Yeah. And just to, uh, again, to further explain that, like the S&P 500, like a lot of the return really comes from like five or six companies, Alex, right? So that, that and that's a negative in the sense that if those companies do bad, that means that index might do bad too, because they're the bigger companies inside of that index. They have more weight. Yeah. Like right now there's six large tech companies um, that make up somewhere between 20 and 25% of the S&P 500. And so people think, oh, I've, I'm diversified. I've got 500 different unique holdings. And while that's true, there is a concentration issue of a good portion of the portfolio is really dependent upon those five or six companies. Um, so that the when we're making investment decisions on how much of our money goes into any one particular company based on the size of that company, that's an easy way to allocate funds from um, a mechanics standpoint. I inherently disagree with the concept that a bigger company is a better company. And so it's it's a flawed philosophy from that standpoint. Now, we love the low fees. We love the low turnover inside of this type of a concept. So there's a lot of really good things about it, but there's also some potential issues. Yeah. So you brought up the other two pieces that we're going to be talking about, you know, differentiating active versus passive. And, and we're also going to talk about the hybrid uh, model that, you know, that's somewhere in between those, but let, let's get into the, the turnover and fees since you just mentioned that, right? So let's start with turnover. Let's define it first. So we, they know what we're talking about here. Yeah. So there's something called turnover ratio. And what this does is it looks backwards. And the reason why it looks backwards is because if you ask any investment manager, what's your turnover going to be in the next 12 months, they have no idea because they don't know what trades they're going to place in the next 12 months because they don't know what the market's going to do in the next 12 months. So it's always a backwards looking number. And what this tells you is how much churn there is inside of this active portfolio. 
So what they do is they take the total number of trades that were placed in the last year and divide it by the total number of holdings. So if they've got 100 holdings and they placed 200 trades, your turnover ratio is 200%. That, that's a high turnover ratio. And what the turnover ratio it eventually leads to is fees. And there's not fees that are stated, but it, there's two different types of fees. One is what we're trying to time the market there. And as you pointed out earlier, very few, if any people are ever able to consistently time the market. Like it, like there is a financial guru who said that the track record of Wall Street on timing the market is overwhelming, overwhelmingly negative. The other thing that we're doing is every time we're creating a transaction, there's a little bit of a cost. Now, it's never shown to you, the investor, because it's built into the rate of return. It's in this thing called bid ask spread. And I don't want to get into the minutia of that, but there is a cost every time we create a transaction. And just like anything else, when you buy and sell something, there's a cost, right? Like if if you sell something on eBay, eBay gets a cut. Well, if you sell real estate, like here in the state of Washington, there's roughly about a 10% cost that pays for the buyer's agent, the seller's agent, the excise cost, the closing cost, all the stuff that goes into the transaction. Now, the good news is investments, like it's nowhere near that size of a cost, but there is still a cost every time we create a transaction. So if we're comparing these turnovers and fees to you know how much active has versus passive, right? If, if you're trying to beat the market and you're you're so you're buying and selling stuff a little bit more as active would, I mean, just a definition would suggest, obviously there's gonna be more turnover and there's gonna be more fees. And the reason people go that route is they think they're going to beat the market, so it's worth it. Well, and they they don't want to be in control of it themselves. They're hiring a professional. Correct. And, and ultimately, they're paying like uh, a active the the cost in terms of like stated fees, ignoring like market timing, ignoring consolidated positions and asset allocation and all of the other things that we may wind up uh, the bid ask spread component that we just talked about just the the stated costs for uh, a fund is usually somewhere between say 0.75 on the extreme low end to about three on the high end um and so there's ways that we can go ahead and dig into some of these costs but usually we wind up somewhere in the neighborhood of 0.75 on up to about three. There's an old study that it was uh, released in the early 2000s, looking backwards, that said uh, active funds were at about three and a half percent, and passive funds were at about three and a quarter percent. Um, that was by uh, Bogle, um, head of Vanguard. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, like the the fees have come down in the industry over the yeah. last 10, 20 years. Um, so we're we're pretty consistently in the 0.75 to three range. And then for comparing that to passive, right? When you're investing in an index, there's not nearly as many as much turnover. There is some turnover, 
just not as much. And because there's less turnover, that tends to be less fees from that from that fee component. As Alex says, there's there's a couple different fee components. Right. And uh, with passive investments, we get down to the point where we're looking at like 0.05 to, you know, maybe about uh, 0.5 or 0.75 on the higher end, depending upon what type of index it is, what like what the underlying structure is. So there might be some structural fees on top of that. Um, like if we're investing in like a, a 401k, there might be some 401k fees or something of that nature in there. Um, but that gives us a little bit of a, and, and like, that's one of those things where the, those structural fees are real. And so if we're comparing, say, a an active fund at like, I don't know, let's pick it at 1.75. And let's say that the passive fund is 0.25. Like, okay, there's a real one and a half percent difference that the active fund has to outperform by one and a half percent just to break even. So that's active versus passive. Let, let's talk about the hybrid. Sure. So the hybrid is designed to try and take on a lot of the characteristics that we like about the passive, where we're we're getting lower turnover, we're getting a consistent philosophy, we're getting lower fees. And so um, we can you know get those fees down to the point where they're at like maybe 0.2 to uh, 0.75. So again, a, a much lower hurdle to try and cross over. And when we're talking about turnover ratios, we're trying to get uh, broader diversification and we're, we're looking at, you know, trying to get our turnover ratios to somewhere in the neighborhood of say 0.1 to 0.4, depending upon what the underlying portfolio is. Um, and it's one of those things where, I mean, so much of it depends on the investment philosophy. Uh, and I'm going to get into some minutiae here for just a quick second. If we have a short-term bond fund where like we're looking at, at bonds that mature every one to two years, those are going to have an extremely high turnover ratio and we're not necessarily paying as much in the way of fees for that, but it's necessary for it to turn over just based on the short duration or the short maturity of that bond. Yeah, the bond's matured, so you have to buy another one. Right. You it liquidated it self-liquidated and gave you your money back. Correct. And you have to turn around and go buy another bond. Um, so it, not all turnover is the same, is is kind of the the takeaway there. But by structuring things this way, we have less in the way of some of those structural fees we have less in the way of the the hidden fees and, and so now we can we can harness some of the power and advantages of passive and at the same time structure the portfolio around something other than market capitalization and have some thought and some purpose and some design to how we allocate the portfolio from an overall asset allocation standpoint. And this isn't just, oh, well, I want to own the S&P 500 and like a small cap index like the Wilshire 5000. Um, like those are still going to be based on market capitalization. And so internally, they're still based on bigger is better. So philosophically, we're trying to uh, escape that bigger is better concept. And ultimately, as long as what we're doing provides value above and beyond, that cost, then it's adding value beyond the the whatever the difference is in the fees. 
Yeah, we'll call the hybrid model more of like the academic model, right? When you're not trying to you're not trying to time or beat the market, you're looking at it from a pure academic standpoint. Where okay, how has asset classes done over the history of the market? What does that mixture look like for the ideal scenario? How do we optimize it? How do we how do we rank things from like first to five hundred? if not based on the size of the company. Correct. So those are the the key ingredients in talking about active versus passive. And, and we threw in hybrid there where we're talking about turnover and fees and, and the philosophy and how those three uh, philosophies work. So the question that we've got for you is which philosophy that we just spoke about resonates with you? Passive, active, or some hybrid model? And the first step is figuring out that that philosophy. The second step is actually going and doing a little bit of research on your own stuff. And again, most of the financial websites out there will allow you to see things like expense ratio, which is one of the cost factors to look at, turnover ratio, which is one of the stats that is commonly given, And then you can read a little bit about how the fund is put together to figure out, okay, is this based on market capitalization or or what's the the dictate that the fund manager has in terms of how they're managing things? So you can figure out, okay, is this active or is this passive? Figuring out that hybrid, you really need to look at a bunch of different things and uh, it's that's less easy to find. So... As Alex said, take that action step, right? Like the whole purpose of this episode is to educate you and give you some information so you can take actionable steps in your personal financial situation so that you can help your patients and build a successful practice. We hope this episode was valuable for you. Check us out at holistic-finance.com. And there's a spot for you to either answer that question or if we brought up anything and you're like, hey, I'd love more information about this, that's also a great spot for you to reach out to us if we can be of any value for that. We hope this episode was valuable. And as always, Mr. Collins, make it a great day and take that first actionable step. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. 
phone number 503-221-1226. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License, number 1531912. CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2022-147270, expiration November 2024.